0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Gen Z's Digital Decalogue. It's me, Kate Kovac. Today, we are continuing our journey with hearing more from our incredible cohort for Lookup's 2023 Innovation Challenge about our next guest. Alekia is an international relations political science major at Wellesley College who is interested in development inequity in global health and policy and American foreign policy. She's connected to Look Up as a passionate mental health advocate and a prospective social entrepreneur with her team for Amelior, which is an organization that we're going to hear a lot more about today. Alakia, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super, super excited to kind of talk to you and have these conversations. Amazing.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to start too. In keeping with our style of the show, I'm going to ask you some really quick questions just so that our audience can get to know you a little bit better. And then we'll dive deep into your organization and everything like that. So the first one is animals or people?
1: I think that's a tough one. I have to say people. I love animals. Don't get me wrong, but absolutely adore people. I love psychoanalyzing them. So
0: <laughs> okay. nice. I like to do the same thing too. So I like your answer. <laughs> um, second question. Would you rather be 90 years old for your entire life
1: or seven years old? Oh, definitely seven. Yeah. Okay. I think the world is full of possibilities. You're a lot less cynical when you're seven years old.
0: Yeah, I agree too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Would you rather explore
1: space or the ocean? The ocean.
0: Mm, okay. Nice.
1: When I was a kid, I wanted to be a marine biologist for the oh. longest time. I just because I thought it was interesting. So yeah. I didn't know very much about what my marine biology entailed. I just liked the ocean.
0: So yeah, that's amazing. Have ever um, noticed? I think sometimes people have like a phobia about the ocean because it's so yeah. vast and expansive. Uh huh. I'm not one of those people. I'm like, no, let's let's find out what it is. And I think in, in that case too, I'm a little kind of eerie with space exploration. Like mm-hmm. it's oh, it's too overwhelming for me. So it's interesting how you have like those opposite the dichotomy. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's and then- interesting. Yeah. Oh, sorry, as a kid, mm-hmm. I was convinced that mermaids were real. I watched an Animal Planet documentary and it was like, it went into this deep dive analysis of these strange sounds that marine biologists were hearing and they couldn't place it. And they were like, yes, it's definitely mermaids. And <laughs> I pushed this propaganda with any kid that I met. I gave them the whole rundown. Um, and I, I think I remember watching Gravity as a kid and being completely traumatized by how this space uh, how expansive this, like, just outer space was. And I was like, yeah. oh, the oath, oh, the mermaids will come for my aid if I ever need them in the water. <laughs> I love that
0: so much. The mermaids will help us. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And then our last question What is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of technology and social media?
1: Ooh, I think I've, um, every time I'm like asked a variant of this question, my automatic answer is that it's a boon and a bane. And it depends on on how it's used and how you kind of set these digital boundaries to best improve your experience. Because it can do a world of good, but it can also quite literally destroy your life if not used properly.
0: Right, yeah. That's a really great answer. And I think it does give us a glimpse into what we're here to talk about today, uh, Amelior. So can you tell us more about that and more about what your role is in, in this organization?
1: So Amelior is a company designed to tackle the eating disorder, honestly, pandemic that's swept through the world in the last couple of years, maybe a decade or so. I am the founder and CEO, and I kind of came into this space after having experienced an eating disorder myself in high school, Mm -hmm. and this was in part because of the kind of media that I was consuming and the people around me were consuming, and I recognized how actively detrimental this was to especially younger and more impressionable minds, especially, I mean, eating disorders are, while they do impact a lot of people, they are pretty gendered in the way that they impact women, men, and, you know, trans and non-binary individuals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how it manifested in me as like a 13, 14 year old girl was this intense social and societal pressure to be popular, to be, and that was ultimately synonymous with being pretty. And then there was this other implicit indication that if you're pretty, it means you're skinny. It means that you adhere to XYZ societal beauty standards. Mm -hmm. And I think I recognized how much of a conversation was lacking in school, in, in my high school and the people around me. And in my sophomore year of high school, I decided to hold like a positivity drive where I talked about for the first time, my issues with eating disorders and body image, and even to a smaller extent, uh, social media like pressures when it came to cyberbullying and bullying at large. And I asked a lot of people, especially my like the seniors and juniors in my high school to come and talk about their experiences with anxiety, with depression, with OCD, with gender dysphoria. And we had like a panel and it was the first time these very stigmatized conversations were kind of being brought to light. And it was after this conference or panel or whatever that a lot of people came up to me and were like, I've never been able to articulate what I'm experiencing, but I think I have an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And um, it was really fascinating because I didn't even know what an eating disorder was like one and a half years into me having one. And the only reason I found out was because I was subscribed to Teen Vogue. And there was an article that showed up and it was like, Demi Lovato opens up about eating disorder. And I was like, what is that? And I clicked on it and she was talking about bulimia, which was at the time what I suffered from. And I remember looking through it and um stopping and being like, oh wait, is is this is this play about us? (laughs) Like, is is this is this um I just felt very like seen in a way that I hadn't actually sat down and recognized. And it's because of the lack of awareness and Uh, the stigma associated with something that's deemed superficial and a first world issue, when in reality, it's got so many more facets that it permeates. And that's when I realized that if I have the comfort of being able to be vulnerable, then I should utilize that to ensure that other people don't experience what I experienced, or if I can mitigate The harm that an eating disorder causes. So Amelia kind of started off initially as like an Instagram page and a website where we shared resources and had people submit either anonymous or like not anonymous stories about their experiences with from issues like eating disorders to body hair to all these other conversations about the standards of beauty that we're supposed to adhere to and how they've managed to combat it. And then it eventually metamorphosed into broader conversations about how eating disorders aren't dealt with the way they should be with college students, and how the added pressures of, you know, academic stress and being independent for the first time and food security versus food insecurity can manifest in binge eating disorders, in anorexia and bulimia, and can exacerbate existing issues while also cultivating new ones after the freshman 15, after toxic conversations where people walk around saying, I've only eaten a bar the whole day, and so on and so forth, which makes people self-conscious about how much they're eating. So it was a lot that I noticed was just so not being handled well. And in these schools where there were hundreds and thousands of individuals who were suffering from disordered eating patterns, there was only one or two eating disorder specialists on campus at a maximum. And therapy is ultimately not something, unfortunately, that is super accessible to a lot of people. And this Mm -hmm. could be monetary, it can be for, for honestly a plethora of reasons. So my question that I came into college asking myself is, how can I make eating disorder treatment more accessible for students who need it. And that was the principle with which Amelior is kind of driving forward now, and what I hope to solve. That was quite a long-winded explanation of the whole thing, but (laughs) that pretty much summarizes the direction we're heading in now. And now we want to connect students with uh, university mental health department services to essentially provide a bridge that streamlines the process of recovery, aids existing mental health departments in better and more effectively treating their students and allowing students to use resources like cognitive behavioral therapy and goal orientation and other positive reinforcement strategies to better aid themselves in this honestly very tumultuous process of recovery. Right. Yeah. Okay. And
0: when you first kind of asked this question, did you notice that there was a lot lacking in the college experience and connection to um, having therapists who are more focused on eating disorders? Or did you find that this was actually an issue when you went through your journey with it and realized, oh, there's there something needs to be better here?
1: I think it was a bit of both where I realized, I mean, when I was a freshman, the freshman 15 hit me like a truck. And I remember being terrified initially. And I I think I had the benefit of awareness of recognizing my own triggers at that point because of how much I'd been talking about eating disorders and the amount of advocacy that I had done at that point. So I had the benefit of a lot of awareness about this that most people unfortunately don't. So I was able to kind of nip in the bud very quickly this spiral of potentially toxic thinking, but I signed up with my on-campus counselor and her first, she was helpful, but then she proceeded to say, you can book your next appointment within the next three weeks. Mm. And that like very non-linear approach to help was ultimately unproductive for me while it was cathartic to be able to talk to her at all for that one hour. I required more sustained help that I was unable to get. And mm-hmm. then when I started researching a little bit more for um, Amelior, I interviewed a lot of students, uh, not just at Wellesley College, but also across the greater Boston area. Um, and a lot of students were calling me and telling me very similar experiences that they had had with their on-campus specialists, where um, one of the girls who was actually our persona in our pitch deck, Um, was a student at MIT and she was in a sorority and she was explaining to us how her eating disorder had been exacerbated by the expectations of sorority life and, you know, what she should look like and adhering to this personality and all that and how she approached her um, on-campus specialists and they were ultimately unhelpful in providing her with, again, that sustained approach to help where she found that she eventually had to seek external help, which was a complicated process for her and an ultimately very expensive process for her. And that's when I realized that there was this dissonance between what the university students need and what the universities are able to provide. So that's kind of It was a dichotomy between like those two things and what I had noticed in my personal life and what I saw in other people.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. And would you say too that the, the creation of this, well, here, let me, let me jump back actually in time. Would you say that social media consumption also exacerbated your personal connection to eating disorders? Or would you say something else was at play there?
1: So I actually wouldn't say social media as much as I would say media. Mm. Um, And the reason is, um, I remember I was 13, 14 at the time. And like, while people were using Instagram, I don't think it was as widely used as it is today. I also I mean, there was no access to TikTok. And, you know, at the time, it was mostly a photo sharing platform. So While yes, there was a lot of comparing between like somebody that I thought was pretty and somebody that I wished to see in myself, I wasn't actively seeing harmful content the same way that I think exists now. And I have personally seen a lot of harmful content where there's a lot of like heavy diet culture. And my roommate and I were actually talking the other day about how easy it is to slip on the TikTok algorithm from food recipes to calorie cutting to if you're craving chocolate, you're actually craving magnesium. And this like rhetoric that could be helpful but ultimately turns into a how to save on, you know, ensuring that you don't consume harmful food that makes you fatter. And that's the Mm -hmm. rhetoric that's very prevalent. Um, But I would say for myself personally, um, I was a huge at the time, Pretty Little Liars fan Mm. And I remember one of the key characters, her name is Hannah Marin. When I was 13, she was quote-unquote fat and unpopular. And she goes on this mission to come back to school after the summer looking pretty and everybody will love her. And the way that she embarks upon this journey is via bulimia. Mm. And it was written in the books. It was also mentioned in the TV show. And she would throw up and she ended up coming back looking stunning. Everybody wanted to be her friend and she was extremely popular. And I think that that narrative was done so poorly because it didn't actually criticize mm-hmm. the harmful impact that this thinking would have, mm-hmm. but in, instead glorified this glow up that an eating disorder could bring you. And I remember sitting there and thinking, wow, this is a life hack, you know, mm-hmm. and, and to me at the time, bulimia sounded like a convenient way to enjoy food and not have to deal with the repercussions of weight gain, when in reality, it's constant regurgitation messes up your sphincter muscles, it causes so much harm to your body and also the psychological damage and Mm. none of these narratives were done well at the time and there was another movie and book that was popular at the time called the duff the designated ugly fat friend and while i guess the final happy ending was that the girl gets the guy and her friends are nice she was still branded the ugly fat friend of her group and i remember in the eighth grade everybody in the different friend groups were talking about who the duffs of each group were and it was a joke initially but a bunch of girls in my friend group decided I was Um, and I'd never actually thought of myself as ugly or fat or any of these adjectives but this joke became very harmful where it turned into This very recurring narrative where people would be like, oh, I'm feeling really ugly today and I don't want to take this photo. Alekia, can you be in this photo with me so I look less unattractive? And it was a joke in quotes, but I was an impressionable 13-year-old girl who was left feeling obviously very unattractive and not valued. And I think, again, it's because of the media consumption that people think these words and phrases are okay and the way that this manifests is in making people everywhere the person who's saying it and the person who's receiving it insecure and ultimately extremely self-conscious and so I think it was media at large and media's inability to critique these weird societal expectations from teenage girls and I mean teenagers at large and impressionable individuals assimilating the wrong morals from from the media so that's that's kind yeah. of my answer to that yeah
0: yeah well first I want to say thank you for going deeper into your backstory and I am so sorry that that was uh, an occurrence growing up because that sounds so hurtful and outrageous that these were things that were observed from you know younger, Kids who then took it, adopted it, and then like pushed it onto their circles and everything. And the fact that you went through that, it just it it breaks my heart to hear. And I'm yeah, I'm so sorry that that happened. And thank you. You know, I I I'm looking forward to how you're going to take Amelior and maybe push that that other form of narrative for just simply the media that we consume, and you know how we're how we're needing to actually criticize things that are harmful and mm-hmm. taking a step back and and being like oh this actually is not helpful and and everything like that so um i just want to take a moment and validate you and and you know just first say thank you for taking on this this conversation and going out and trying to to change everything because you know without without you i don't know that we would actually make any kind of progress
1: yeah thank you yeah i appreciate that and i think i mean it's easier now for me to with hindsight and also healing um to recognize that these were children that were really told what to do by their and by their environment it's not that they were inherently mean people it's that they were conditioned to believe that this was okay and i guess that's where it needs to change because media outlets be it tv shows or books or even social media have to take on that responsibility and recognize what they're doing to young individuals that don't even have their prefrontal cortexes developed yet you know so it's so important to to recognize the responsibility that these companies have in in what they're doing to children
0: yeah yeah absolutely and when when we have conversations like this do you have anything that that pops up for you where you think, okay, this is what Amelior needs to be? And this is what, you know, because I know that you said that you're wanting to kind of bridge the gap between your universities who are providing care for those who need forms of therapy. However, when those who are in therapy who need eating disorder help, they kind of are falling out. There's like something missing there. Is there anything else that Amelior is going to try to tackle
1: So, I think one thing that has kind of been at the front of my mission ever since I started working on this back in like 2019 and 2020 is that I want to create an environment or help create an environment where talking about eating disorders isn't stigmatized. And Mm -hmm. I think alongside having these students seeking recovery and having a better system or trying to implement a better system for them, I also want to potentially start chapters at the universities where this app is deployed, where this would be like a club or an organization where they actively have panels, discussions, community events to talk about body image, to talk about positive thinking, positive reinforcement, body positivity. I'm using positive a lot. But um, essentially, cultivating an environment where it is okay to talk about these things, where it is encouraged to have these discussions that are very necessary. Because I think a lot of what happens is because there's stigma associated with it, because it's such a hushed topic, there's also a lot of shame, fear, and repression of what is happening, which ultimately negatively impacts eating disorder recovery as a whole. And I think that's what creates you know, this gap in terms of students most effectively finding their way through recovery. And it's interesting because the other day, an acquaintance of mine reached out to me because I'm pretty active about posting on social media about, like, eating disorders. And it was eating disorder advocacy week uh, around a month ago. And I'd been posting a lot of resources and infographics on Instagram. And she texted me and she said her sister had been suffering from an eating disorder and was currently through recovery. And she said, I know we don't know each other super well, but would it be okay if I gave her your contact information so she could talk to you? Because she's never been able to talk to anyone. And I spoke to her, but that like really, that, that was something that really stuck out to me because so many people suffer from eating disorders, but it's because it's so hushed. And it's because there's so much stigma associated with it, that they feel so isolated and alone and unable to talk to anyone. When in reality, there's so many people that are probably experiencing the exact same thing that you do. And like the statistics of it say that eating disorders increase in women from around like, 26, 27% to 35 to 36% in college in women, and 7% to 25% in men. And uh, there isn't enough research into how it impacts non-binary individuals, but I've seen the way that gender dysphoria creates so much body dysmorphia and how the two of those are interlinked. And there's so many people who are experiencing variations of the same issues, but because it's so hushed, they feel super isolated and that shame makes it harder for them to recover. So essentially, another, I guess, driving mission that Amelia would have is to ensure that at some point, hopefully, conversations on these issues, and mental health at at large, honestly, but right now, the focus for us is eating disorders becomes more normalized, and people feel more okay, talking about it and seeking help from peers. Because honestly, I know that A lot of what made me feel better is recognizing that I was not alone and that from celebrities to my classmates, people had experienced body dysmorphia and body image issues and eating disorders. And that feeling of not being alone helped me push my way through recovery. And I guess that's what we really want to hone in on, ensuring that people have a support system that they didn't know existed because, you know, and and to help that push everyone up as a collective. Mhm. Yeah. 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 I'm really
0: looking forward to seeing what your end product is going to look like because I I keep saying it, this in these episodes but it's so true because we started with you all in this like idea and in your website and the Instagram account but now you're really moving forward into something that is going to be like an application where people can utilize this resource. Um so to be able to see your journey from the beginning stages to now and to have everything more defined and you have this forward plan is really incredible to see. And what what have you uh, like learned or uncovered through your, your process as being one of our cohort members for 2023?
1: I actually think I've learned a lot more than I honestly even thought I would. And the reason I say this is because uh, I think one thing that I came into this experience thinking was that I had a very fixed end product. So it's interesting that you use the word end product because I'm thinking about that. And uh, for instance, one feature on the app that I had been thinking of incorporating was um, kind of a tracking system for what people eat every day, um, Mm -hmm. in the sense that like, just to ensure that they have a space to log breakfast, lunch, and dinner, a space to kind of keep that in mind. And essentially, be able to share that with their mental health departments so they could get dietary um, advice and information on, say, nutritional deficiencies, because that's a huge part of having eating disorder. But then on talking to the various individuals that I've been able to get connected with through the course of this program, um, I have recognized that that actually might be harmful because our point is that we should be Decentering the narrative from being around food. And by having this, you're still actively making students think about food. And the other day, um, I'm gonna reference that acquaintance whose little sister I spoke to, she was actually complaining about how her mom and her therapist keep asking her to send pictures of her meals every single time. Mm. And she felt very micromanaged. And she felt like, because she had to keep remembering to take those pictures, she was constantly thinking about food. And when I spoke to Dr. Geary, who I was put in touch with um, via lookup, via you actually, um, uh, she was telling me how her philosophy is to move away from calorie counting, from working on food, from actually tracking those meals. And she told me that having a section on where the nutritional deficiencies may lie May yield students just buying supplements and going to CVS and picking up a hoard of gummies, um, and how uh, in America especially there's this narrative that a pill will fix everything, and how I don't want to feed into that quite quite literally. Um, and she, I guess that was such a new perspective that I hadn't actually internalized, and I've been thinking about like, I guess I've been ping ponging between this understanding of should I uh, not give them that information at all because you know there are these dietary deficiencies that individuals with eating disorders have, or should I instead decenter the narrative from food and just focus on positive reinforcement and uh, regaining control? Because obviously, a large part of eating disorder culture and mental illnesses that involve some form of harm to oneself um is very rooted in control Mm -hmm. so how to regain the sense of control in your life um and whether the focus should be on that and a more like holistic approach to recovery so i guess it's like a lot of things that i have had to reiterate when it comes to the product and when it comes to my mission and vision that i didn't expect to kind of glean out of (laughs) just um moving forward and I think that's been invaluable because it's offered me like this plethora of new perspectives that I hadn't incorporated initially and this has ultimately kind of molded something that I thought was rigid but is actually quite malleable mm-hmm. and I think that kind of new understanding of my product's malleability has been something that I have learned through the course of Lookup which has yeah. been very very interesting and very valuable to
0: me. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And I do think that that, you know, that that's also the case for other innovators that I've spoken with that that you do have these like little pivots and shifts mm-hmm. where what you intended initially actually changes a little bit and and it yeah. looks to be something else but it still is something that is just as necessary, just as vital and and important. So don't don't feel too like alone in that either. You know, like <laughs> these are common things that I keep hearing from, uh-huh. from others that you know there's just a shift and a forward movement and you keep going. It's yeah. I think we would love to have something that was extremely linear, but I think with life, like it's non-linear and frustrating, uh-huh. but still helpful in in some cases. So
1: I just wanted I to. Mean, I think the too. best. Sorry, I think the best advice that I've been given through this this uh, process and also just. Uh, like mentors in general who told me that you're not an entrepreneur until you've had to pivot. And I think that's been great because I've definitely pivoted multiple times. So I'm (laughs) definitely on track there. Uh, I I don't know what track I'm headed on, but it's some track. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and you're moving forward. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Got it, got it. Yeah, now as, as you're developing this, I know that there's probably gonna be listeners who one are not familiar with eating disorders at all. And then there's probably going to be someone who's like, oh my goodness, I highly connect with Alekia Story and everything like that. How can young people get connected to you and Amelia? Or should we direct them to your Instagram page to then hear some updates? Or what's the best way to get connected to you?
1: So I think right now, the best way to get connected to me is via my personal socials. We did okay. have the Instagram and stuff, but I think we've... uh been working on rebranding on uh we just recently i don't know if i mentioned this but changed our name Mm -hmm. um to amelior and that's been a recent development in the last like i want to say like a little less than a month now which is crazy so with that comes a change in the logo change in our whole thing so unfortunately at this particular moment our website is in the process of being rebuilt and our instagram has been kind of temporarily deactivated while we rework the socials. So at the moment, the best way to get in touch would just be to me. And I would like to believe I'm quite receptive with uh, emails and DMs and uh, stuff like that. So I would just see my personal, like either email ID or my Instagram handle would okay. be perfect for people too. If they want to talk about it, get in touch. But hopefully when the Instagram and the website are a little more robust in the near future, uh, that would be a great place for people to get in touch. Yeah.
0: Okay. Perfect. Yeah. I'll make sure to include your personal Instagram in our show notes below and okay. maybe even your LinkedIn because, you know, mm-hmm. you never really know who's listening. There might be someone out there who wants to connect with you there. And uh, I'll find maybe if it's okay with you, I'll find your old, like the Instagram account for. Mm-hmm. For what you had previously, and then when that yes. is ready, they'll be mm-hmm. able to still use that same link, just name. That'll I be there. I can totally too. send that over. Okay, mm-hmm. perfect. Okay, cool. So for all of our listeners, I'm going to get you covered on some of that, and I will also put in some um, details and ways to get connected to places if you think that you might have an eating disorder. And as always, make sure that you're talking to a doctor or someone who is certified in assisting you. It's great to have friends who are listening, but it's even better to have a clinical person who is certified and actually have the ability to help you. So I'll put in some information there as well, too. And then I think our last question for you, Alekia, is there anything else that we should be on the lookout from you? Or is there like something else that is going on? Maybe you have like a speaking engagement or any other socials or maybe tips for those people listening? Oh, wow.
1: Okay. So let me let me (laughs) put that down in in order. Um, So I think I think first, you've inspired me to add an additional aspect to Amelior, which is a potential podcast that we might do. And, you know, like talking to all these different people while I'm doing research has made me realize that even though our experiences can kind of merge into common waters, Mm -hmm. every single stream that reaches there is so vastly different. And every story is so incredibly different. So I definitely think having that would be super cool. So again, if somebody listening would be interested in sharing a story with me or has resonated with just the process of having to get over you know feelings of body dysmorphia or is going through that experience and transition absolutely reach out to me if you want a platform to have your voice heard once I create that platform which is (laughs) I'm I'm getting a little ahead of myself here but um if if somebody wants to talk to me I And if they want to talk to me even outside of the podcast, just want to talk to someone. I think that's, I always love to listen and, you know, give people my advice and help. Uh, One thing that helped me that I don't know if this is a fun tip for anybody struggling with any form of body image issues is i did this in my freshman year of college when the freshman 15 was really on my mind i actually wrote like a news article for wellesley college in freshman year called reweighing the freshman 15 where i um essentially put in one point of growth that i'd experienced for instance like living independently um picking classes doing well at a class that i thought i would struggle with so on and so forth Um, so it was one point of growth for every pound gained um and i thought that was like it's a fun way of like reevaluating the amount of growth that you're doing mentally and emotionally and i think that's a great way of kind of grounding yourself and recognizing your self-worth and one thing that i started to do was i started to get i got post-its and i would stick these post-its on my mirror where Every single week, I would have to write three things that had nothing to do with the way I looked uh, mm-hmm. that I loved about myself. And it could be really small. It could be big. It was like, I loved the way that I talked during my presentation in XYZ class. Mm-hmm. I loved the confidence that I demonstrated in X Avenue. I loved that I made a new friend. And it was it was small, small little points of positive reinforcement for myself. And I stuck it on my mirror because then I started viewing my mirror as a, as a point of love. Cause I, w- I was like almost pavloving myself to look in mm-hmm. the mirror and experience this burst of serotonin mm-hmm. that I was good enough. And it kind of removed the focus from the way I looked or my weight or anything. Right. Cause I think that's so, so often what a mirror is representative of, but instead the mirror showed me um, other things that I was proud of. And I like really tried to stick to it and stick these new post-its on my mirror every single week and this is a feature that I'm trying to incorporate onto the app too where every week you have to write something new and it'll give you notifications about it every day so you're reminded constantly of the of the good that you're doing so I do think that idea of post-its and positive reinforcement is so much more important than people think and it make make you feel a little bit silly to write these things down about yourself but you know it's ultimately so so productive as an activity as for stuff I'm doing, I am taking part in EDC's Advocacy Day on May 18th, where I will be I will be sharing my story and with a lot of other individuals who've suffered from eating disorders and will be sharing those stories to try to explain to Congress why putting eating disorders is important on the general health policy and policy mm-hmm. agenda. So I guess there's that to look forward mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, in like around a month uh, or so, the relaunching of our website and Instagram. So I guess that's, I think, did that cover, cover? That covered uh, everything. I'm oh, surprised perfect. that you
0: remember, because as you were talking, I forgot.
1: <laughs> yes, perfect. no, that's, okay.
0: that's really good. And, you know, I will also link. EDC down below for that date too, just so that we can continue to support you and stay connected to what you're doing with your mission. And really, Alikia, thank you so much for being here and for bearing your soul to us, being vulnerable, and then also taking action and doing something about your experiences and, and wanting to Change the world because of it. That's something that I think is so lasting and so impactful. And and thank you to our listeners and we will catch you on the next episode.
1: Thank you so much for having me.